With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I'm thinking since we do have a new panelist, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do a quick intro so people understand who the hell is this guy and why is he here? So Jake, take it away. Hey, uh, my name is Jake Goldstein. I am uh, an aspiring instructor, always a student. Um, my background, I came up in the military. That was sort of my first serious use of you know, firearms, exposure, all that stuff. Um, I did almost 10 years active duty. Um, got out, uh, actually primary and secondary, funnily enough. It's almost like coming home for me because mm. I started out with PNS and probably 2016, 2017. Yeah. Started to really kind of get a clue about what time it was and that I really didn't know anything because right. you come out of the military thinking, oh, well, you know. I'm, I'm a badass, you know, I deployed, Absolutely. I shoot expert. I'm, you know, nah, man, not at all, you know? So, uh, so it got me started on the right path, understanding, uh, hardware, software, going to training. Um, at this point I have been, uh, all the way through, uh, Tom Givens, uh, range master, uh, instructor development program all the way through oh, nice. the, uh, the master tier. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my, my biggest thing. Uh, I took uh, Sage Dynamics, uh, Red Dot handgun instructor with uh, Aaron Cowan, uh, several other things with uh, integrated combatives, uh, Red Zone, Jerry Wetzel, a couple of certifications there. Uh, I've trained with most of the ShivWorks Collective and uh, got certified on small impact weapons by uh, Larry Lindemann. So if I understand you correctly, doing it. if I understand you correctly, you're saying you are a training junkie. Basically, that's that's the awesome. And now I'm trying to move into, you know, actually doing it myself. I, I feel like yeah. I kind of have a unique approach because my, my theory is this. I don't teach people firearms. I don't even really teach gunfighting. I teach, in my mind, how to establish and enforce boundaries, sometimes with violence in the most extreme circumstances. That's, so that's kind of my wheelhouse and where I want to go with this kind of explains the list of the instructors you want to that we are going to interview soon like really cerebral people who really deep dive and think about things yeah you mean like people that take things that others would look at and go that's silly and find ways to use it effectively like things that don't have stocks yeah. and oh yeah. yeah like i'm sure like red here you know hey sure what do you know we're gonna have a <laughs> we're gonna have a conversation i'm sure we're gonna have a conversation somewhere tonight about you know 22 and you know, little snubby revolvers. Is that viable? You know, uh, I got mine maybe a month ago. Yeah, yep. I got it in my pocket right now. Yep. I, live right. With it. I live with it every waking minute because it's literally my zero excuse gun. Yep. I always have a gun on my person. That's what that enables oh, yeah. me to do. Nice. And so basically, 
as you just described this during this path, that's kind of the, the inspiration. That's kind of the, the, the whole purpose and goal of this specific podcast series is to give some insights as to how do these instructors think and how do we get to that level or what advice do they have that that's going to help me either where I'm at now or where I'm about to be. So with that in mind, let's start with question number one, Rhett, what inspired you to become an instructor? Uh, so I was, um, I was an instructor of not, you know, not like applied violence stuff, not, not gun stuff. Uh, but I, I taught people how to um, process human tissue in a clean room. It basically, you know, take people apart in the spare parts business, stuff like that. Yeah. For a long time, uh, about a decade. Um, right about that time, you know, maybe a year or two into that, I started to uh, take like teaching, teaching folks firearm stuff more seriously. Um, I had taught before that, but I think, um, I think that's a, you know, that's a, a big reason why I got deep in that before that. Uh, so I, I worked some really awful like security contract, like, like rent a cop jobs and bouncing stuff. And some of us were required to carry there. And I remember, um, I remember trying to shoot some quals with, uh, with some local law enforcement and some dudes who were like, I mean, the, the absolute mall ninja stereotype yeah. kind, of, kind of dudes. And uh, just, just being struck by how bad that people were and they were, they were considered themselves good. Um, and that, you know, just how low the standards were, I think, you know, most people suck. That was a, that's a big reason. And, um, you know, the, the teaching really sucked too. So, um, from, from both sides, I saw, okay, I can speak a little bit better. I know a little bit more and I have done this in a, in a way that um, works a little bit better than what I saw. Yeah. Cool. Evan or Jake? Comments? Um, no, I, I really, I agree with so much of that. Yeah. Um, I, I will say from my perspective as somebody who wants to emulate instructors and you know somebody who just enjoys going to training these days i'm almost a little less interested in the class or what's being taught i mean i am i go pay to go to a class but i pay equal as much attention or more yes. to the instructorship behind the individuals heck yeah they're delivering the information and that's a really big deal like for example, Craig Douglas, gold standard. Yep. That Absolutely. Man understands pedagogy to like an extreme. Yeah. And I admire that. So. Cool. Yeah, the concept that everybody sucks, or it seemed like everybody sucked. Uh, it's the same thing with students and instructors. I mean, which is exactly what you just said, but 
there's I've talked to people who just assume that since somebody is teaching something, they know what they're doing. So, you know, I think everybody's talked to at least one person before who says, yeah, I'm going to a I'm going to a firearms class. I'm going to a concealed carry class. And, you know, I asked him about it and he's like, yeah, it's at this uh, this hotel on uh, Saturday. It's 30 bucks, you know, and it's just <laughs> it's it's a headache because there's a difference with your instructors as well. I mean, same thing with same thing with the students. Some students are better than others in learning and what applying what they're supposed to be learning. And some instructors are better at teaching what they're supposed to be teaching. Yeah. A lot of folks get into it. I think for the wrong reasons, there's so many people who get into firearms instruction because they're gun nerds. Um, like the, the worst ones that I see are, are the, so I, uh, maybe a little bit harsh, but I like to categorize all of us into two groups. There are shooters and there are gun people. Um, there are a lot of gun people who just like the idea of these objects. And because they like the idea of those objects, they think they ought to go teach people how to use them. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's not a lot of room for instructors to teach people the nerdy stuff like, you know, how this works and the history of it, um, too often those two get intertwined. Heck yeah. So who inspires you and who are or were your role models? So I, I got my short list. Um, you already mentioned Craig. So, you know, Craig's at the top of the list there. I, I consider uh, Craig Douglas. Um, I consider Craig a mentor. I've taken more coursework with Craig than I think any other instructor, um, quite, quite a few instructors combined. You know, I try and, um, I try and take something with Craig every year just cause he's a badass. Um, but not just because he's a badass, you know, like not just because he's a dude that can walk around and whoop your ass with his bare hands or, you know, access a gun in the middle of, a of, a you know, four way grappling match. Uh, but because he's a, he's a true master of his craft, he understands what people, what people want to hear. And he also understands how you get through to people to actually facilitate learning. Um, yeah. So, so Craig's, I, I think Craig's way up there um, on my list too, you know, for, for, Anyone who wants to deep dive into the combative side and look at the stuff that is harder to access, um, I'm a real big fan of Sambo. And uh, I, I only got into that because uh, growing up, the local gym, the gym just down the street from me, um, was run by a guy, Michael Sullivan. You can look him up. Um, he's like a multi-time medalist Sambo master they go to they go to uh the they win pan ams every year and they go to russia every year and, and uh do damn good there um you know beating the russians at their own game is another thing but uh yeah mike sullivan is uh awesome dude just one of the toughest guys i've i've met and i i think he's definitely a a role model there um from like early on just just watching a dude who could just lay people out uh, without all the, you know, not a lot of bravado, not a lot of talking himself up. 
So small gym guy, but he's awesome. If you're in Colorado, uh, yeah, Mike Sully is from fuse boxes. He's a badass. Um, the other two on my list, uh, I have, so, um, Bob Vogel and Dave Savigny. Um, I taught myself all of the things, all of the good mechanics of grip and shooting in my early years of, of shooting through just nerding out and like going way deep on the YouTube videos. I wanted to watch anything I could. I would, you know, I would, um, I would freeze frame the early YouTube stuff of Savigny and like zoom in and snap photos and like hang those photos on my, on my wall. Just like, that's where my hands need to be in like this exact grip. And he was doing stuff. Um, well, that's back in the day to me. Um, he was doing a totally different grip approach than I had seen anyone else. And I think, um, while it's not the same, I, I got on Vogel stuff because it was reminiscent of that. Um, the, the big one for me in the pistol stuff is, is the application of strength and the way that you can actually see their strength in the gun. They're, they're, um, that grip is a no-nonsense grip when I compare it to a lot of other instructors. I'm trying to like, I'm a very visual guy. I, I will pay for, for instruction, not because I want to hear the dude talk, but because I want to watch really closely at what this person is doing live. Um, and the, the secret sauce is, is much more hidden with a lot of the other instructors, but with, with Savigny and Vogel, man, you can just see, I think the, the big thing that I was uh, real, real obsessed with early on is that that wraparound support hand index finger pinning in between the fingers and pinning the frame uh, of the gun, like a, like a solid grip there. I can't remember. It was, I can't remember if it was Savigny or Vogel uh, where I saw a video of, of one of them basically without, without a dominant hand on the gun, just with that little pinch, just running the trigger and no, you know, no recoil. I'm like, okay, that's, that's an effective, you know, so that, yeah, without going too far into it, those guys, um, those guys got me nerding out in the right direction for shooting early on. Those were my first, uh, so Savigny was my first exposure to looking at competitive shooting and, um, you know, looking at how to actually looking at what actually good is and not yeah. just the guy next to me at the range who, you know, has a eight inch hole in a target that he's put 300 rounds through. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the early modcasts, um, interviewing Vogel and he had his, what are they? The quarter sized Ipsix all around. I'd never seen that before. I thought, that's really cool. So you just get a dry fire everywhere. And he had some comments about that, but I thought, wow, that is dedication. That's some, that's really cool to be able to go to that level. He's a beast. Yeah. Um, I, I think few people can accurately mimic or replicate the magic that those two apply. Um, but man, 
there's no denying what what they're doing. Yeah, not to take anything away from that, you know, and clearly they they did it through, you know, work and dedication, but they also have some like freakish attributes, you know. They're not like they're not average people, you know. So just throw that in there too. I mean, throughout <laughs> history, if you kind of look back at all, you know, a long ways, you know, you have people like Jelly Bryce. Again, yep. they just had some freakish attributes. Yeah, they worked at it, I'm sure, but you know, being able to like almost see a bullet going through the air, there's something to that. Yep. You know. Yep. Uh, yeah, some of the some of the talks about seeing fast and yeah. Yep. It's I'm inspiring. Really, yeah. Yeah. So I I'm just just nerding out when you yeah. when you talk about those freakish attributes. Um, I always think to myself. You know, we see these shooters with those skills, and um, I think to myself, the the maybe somewhat recent analysis of Olympic athletes and body type, and I always wonder, like, what is that body type? What are those weird adaptations that the best shooters have? You know, like swimmers have that extra long torso and uh, nubby legs, and the runners have, you know, marathon runners have the exact opposite, and the, the, the strength ratios. Um, yeah. Someone, someone who is nerdier than I am should go run the stats on that. <laughs> One of the things I've heard, and again, I'm not like an expert, this is just, you know, kind of second or I guess even third hand information, but, uh, you know, supposedly there's a correlation to people that see better and faster. Uh, there's, there's some kind of a, a correlation to like blue eyes. Like apparently a, a a disproportionate number of like ace pilots, for instance, have blue eyes. Okay. So I could have been a pilot. Damn it. Yeah, there you go, man. You you missed out. <laughs> anyway, that's just a thing. I don't know. I think uh I don't remember where I heard this, so I don't even know if, whether or not it's true, but I'm I'm pretty sure that people with blue eyes are generally more sensitive to light, which is Gener definitely true for me. <laughs> I mean, I'll wear sunglasses while it's sunset. Um, but as as far as other things that seem to help people shoot really well, big hands, honestly. A, a large majority of the people that I talk to that shoot really well, especially those that really emphasize grip above all else, they just have huge hands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see it all the time. So that's something that I'm always playing with too. I'm always nerding out with trying to figure out, trying to perfect my grip. And with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I've just come to realize that the shape, the shape of my hands seems to be, you know, I don't have tiny hands, but I think I have short fingers <laughs> and that seems to play a big role in how I, how I grip the gun, because there seem to be certain things that other people do with guns that I'm just incapable of doing sure. well when it comes to grip. So, but yeah, I see a lot of people with really large hands shoot guns really well. <laughs> and incredible grip strength. Yeah, I, I am, um, I was on that like to, to a fault. Um, you know, I had the, the captains of crush, uh, grippers. And I remember at one point I could do three reps on the 2.5. Um, and then, you know, in trying to get to where I could do the, the five by five set with the 2.5, uh, something popped and I remember my entire hand felt like I had smashed my funny bone, but like throughout my entire hand. Um, and yeah, I didn't really do anything for a, a month after that. I'm like, all right, I have, I have already gotten to the freakish strong level because most people can't close a one. Um, like most, most big dudes can't close a one all the way. Uh, so, you know, all right, I got to the 2.5. I could probably close a 1.5 today. Um, but yeah, I, I went hard on it and then I'm like, all right, too risky. Now I'm backed off of it entirely. <laughs> so again, I forget where I heard it, but I believe that the best, you know, concrete thing I've heard on that subject is that there's not really much benefit. Like you kind of hit a diminishing, a point of diminishing returns when you hit about a hundred pounds of crush force. I remember it was fun. It was like a show off point thing at the range. Um, yeah. At IDPA and I could, you know, I could grip my gen three Glock so hard that the mag wouldn't fall out of the gun. I thought that was like, cool, man. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know what it was buying me now, but it felt like I was working in the right direction at the time. Hopefully it's not the same uh, along the same lines as what bulky is going through right now with his it, it, sensitivity and, and, and pain yeah. in hands. That just sounds yeah, miserable. I mean, right. Yeah. Maybe there's, there's the arc there. Cause now I'm, I'm real happy running 22 snubbies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a common problem. It seems like uh, a lot of people in the, in the firearms industry are, it's either carpal tunnel or some other type of long-term injury that they're dealing with. But I mean, just the amount of people that I've talked to over the last year, probably it's like everybody's getting surgery, they're getting yeah. something done. And then if you couple that with other typical man hobbies that mm -hmm. people seem to have, it just exasperates it even more. Yeah. Uh, Injuries galore. That's yeah. It's that's like, the you, that's the real the real shooters, you know. Yeah, you talk to people and they're like, "You talk to people and they're like, yeah, this weekend uh, I shot for ten hours and then I swapped an engine in my wife's car and then I I lifted <laughs> and then uh, after that I picked up uh, more hundred pound weights after I was done lifting and right. then I mowed the lawn and then I weed whacked and it's like but you, you forgot right, one <laughs> aspect. You forgot one aspect of changing the the uh, the engine or the motor. Didn't use any tools. Yeah, I did everything just, by hand. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, Blowers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah basically. 
So Rhett, what do you consider to be your specialty and how are you different from other instructors? So I think, uh, I think a lot of people would focus in on uh, my proclivity to small stuff. Um, or, or I guess I, I will categorize when I look at what everyone else is doing, what everyone else prefers, all the guns in every category, pistol, rifle, shotgun, all my stuff is smaller. Um, now in the, I will also say across all of that, I, I have a focus on uh, being able to run everything stockless and braceless. Um, not really. So I, I, a lot of people ask me about this. Is this just because you're afraid of the ATF? Um, not, not really at all. I, I don't, I don't care. Like, right. I'm already on the special list. Uh, so <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Um, I, if, you know, if the day rolled around, I needed to, I, I would be fine putting in, well, I would say that I could bear putting in stamps for things to continue in the sport. They don't want to do that. Um, but more than that, uh, so I focus on, on the stockless braceless stuff because I recognize that there is, um, there's a functional band of firearm plus shooter sizes that allow you some really cool extra capabilities. Um, it, this, all of this stuff is, is, uh, is kind of a bummer because in square range shooting in like, uh, and in competition shooting, these environments really don't exist, but in the environments that we live in work in, they very much do exist. So, you know, show me an IDPA or a USPSA stage or a three gun stage that has a true 30 inch doorway with a partially obscured door in it anywhere. It doesn't exist. They don't do that. The reason they don't do that is because it's dangerous, right? Um, that's, that's always the reason the, the safety crew comes in like, oh, well, we can't have people going through guns with there because it's hard and someone will shoot themselves. Well, yeah, but also like, that's the only place you're going to be shooting. Can't Every pressure test your setup. What are you nuts? Hey, right. silly time. Yeah. yeah. If you have to move through a structure or have to work around a vehicle, well, I'll just talk about structures. Um, so when you go and pie that corner, when you're pushing any room, you are going to be doing your target ID most of the time through a narrow entrance. Being able to have a platform that is small enough to hold in the horizontal plane nearly on target and with as much, uh, with as much take up of that presentation process already done, that's a huge thing. So when I focus on uh, braceless stockless technique, almost all of my techniques focus on getting a gun married to the eye via the cheek. Not because there's something special about the cheek, but, but that's because the most ergonomic place that I've found to stick a gun to your head. When you stick a gun to, you know, marry it to your head, all of a sudden, everywhere that I look, that gun tracks more immediately and effortlessly. Um, 
that's a big deal to me, right? It's not about getting, uh, you know, 0.14 splits in hammers. It's about being the first guy to land the first shot where it puts bad guy down, you know, first incapacitating hit wins usually. Uh, so when we're talking about where do we live, where do we work? Uh, it's all like, you know, homes that have a bunch of bad corners that are hard to push doors that are never fully open, right? If you have kids, you never actually push a door all the way. There's always a toy behind it or closed or whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other part of having those, those small firearms, those small platforms to work with is vehicles. Um, cause if I, if I think about where I am outside of my house, especially post COVID, like there's no real good excuse for me to get out of my car for much anymore. Yep. Um, I mean, we live in a world now where I can do my grocery shopping and just pull up into a parking spot. Dude puts it in my trunk for me. So uh, if I have a conflict, it's very likely to be in and around that vehicle if it's not in my house. And then when I think about um, what wins there, again, it's an even smaller box trying to get something up over a dashboard, over a steering column, around seat belts, around the weird a pillars that are that exist and um yeah so there's there's some lengths that can only be achieved through ditching the stocks um so like people say okay so you take uh people are always uh, shotgun world they're like oh i can sbs my 870 and it gets me much shorter so you're taking a, a 39 inch gun and you're chopping off four inches and paying $200 in tax stamps and all that. If I just remove the stock and go with bird's head grip and leave it as an 18 inch gun, I've dropped six inches off of the overall length of the gun, but I've dropped even more length off of that because instead of mounting it in front of my body, I am now mounting it to my cheek and that six inch grip is functionally behind my shoulder. So I get to fit and weasel through these common uh, choke points in our, in our homes a lot easier. Um, it's not as easy to shoot those rapidly, but with the right technique, you can. So that's, that's where I focus a lot, at least on the longer gun stuff. Um, and then on the pistol stuff, I focus on more on smaller guns. My, my pistol classes are um, pretty specifically geared towards techniques that work with micro size guns like 365 or even like snubby revolvers. Um, I teach a lot of deep concealment. So uh, what that means to me is that when I carry a gun, when most of the days when I'm carrying, if um, so if I have a, a pocket gun, I may, maybe I have one in addition to that, that always gun. And if I have a gun, it's going to be usually an enigma and it's going to be um, so deeply concealed that I could take my shirt off and walk around. And unless someone was like bad breath distance from me looking down into my pants, they would not be able to see any part of the firearm. Um, so I teach that. 
Uh, I pride myself on being able to always stick a 1.5 second draw from, from that concealment. Um, if you guys want to go, you, you know, nerd out on the YouTube pretty frequently, I can, I can get a sub second draw from a gun that is not visible. Seeing the videos. My, yeah. On my body without a shirt on. Uh, is that, is that hundred percent of the time? No, but if anyone tells you that they have a sub second draw hundred percent of the time, like check up on them. Yeah. I don't think, uh, yeah. Um, but so you, you have the capability of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could. And also, you know, that, so with, uh, with the stuff that I'm focusing on, I, um, I want to keep to the popular standards. I, I don't like how a lot of, a lot of folks, um, I'm not going to say any great instructors do this, but a lot of your, your mediocre, like your average range instructor take someone who wants to carry something like a 365. They see that gun and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, those standards aren't for you. Like, we'll we'll dumb this test down. We'll make it easier. Why? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, the standards, if the standards are good, the standards are because it's, the, you know, what you would expect from the environment and the bad guy, not because of your capability or, or your, your gear. Right. So yeah, I focus on those things. Um, and I, I kind of just try and stay there. I, uh, so much so that I haven't picked up or shot a pistol larger than the 365X in like more than a year, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I compete when I do my, the little bit of competition that I still do now, I compete with those. I, I run the gear as close to carry as possible. Um, and really just, it's, it is focused on the lifestyle that I want and that I want for everyone else. Um, because I, I am bummed when people look at concealed carry and self-defense as this, this weight that they have to put on their shoulders and this like this thing that changes their life. Like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't get to squat down and play with my kids. Cause I'm a sheep dog. Yeah. Like, oh, that's real. That's, that's horseshit. <laughs> um, you know, you should be able to live a full life and do everything that you want to do the way that you want to do it and just have, you know, as, many, as much of the tools and skills based around that. That right there has been a huge push on primary and secondary for the last little while with podcasts and my posts and articles and stuff, because it's real. And yeah, people are, they, it's not possible to be a sheepdog 24 seven, you need to be, you, you need to reprioritize yourself. And, and also, yeah. you know, a lot of people hear the, the small gun thing. And especially when I start talking about 22, um, you know, I'm not hating on your, on your rolling special. Comp, yeah. Or, or your competition length, 1911. I, if you get away with it and it works for your lifestyle and you aren't sacrificing or losing out on that, especially guys like you, Matt, like uh, uh, a rolling special on you is, is functionally the same. No problem. As the LCR is on yep. me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't hate on that. And, and for those of you who are interested in taking classes, like I have plenty of guys come run full size guns through that. Uh, I will say that maybe after that class, you can learn 
take that full size gun, carry it a little deeper, have a little bit extra mobility, have a yeah. little bit less printing with the same capability in your, in your draw stroke and your shooting performance. It reminds me of John Houtman's post from earlier this week talking about he took, uh, what was it? Just a, a, a standard 365 or was it a 365 XL? I think it was a XL, XL frame and standard slide or something like that. Yeah, okay. that's but short, taking that short. through a real class, like a, like a big boy class. Yeah. That's the, that that's realistic. And unfortunately yeah. it's not popular. Well, so John's a badass. His views on stuff is, is spot on. Um, and uh, I mean, at the, the class that he was running that through, those standards are rough. Um, and those, I mean, some of those, some of those drills, I remember I took, I took that exact class and I took it with this, the exact gun. Um, and man, I, this is one of those classes where like halfway through the day, like beat up a little bit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was awesome. So I messaged or I was talking to John and Sarah about something and they're like, yeah, we're going to be in Salt Lake. What? Why? And then I find out about the class. Damn it. Wish I knew about it before I would have gone. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. So let's see here. Question number four. At what point did you find your ability was good enough to teach it? So there were, there were two points, two points in time. Um, there was the point in time where I decided I ought to toy around with helping people around me because these people around me have guns and they're awful with them. That was during the, uh, that, was, that was when I realized that all the dudes that I was working with were, were. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Low performers. Um, and, you know, I realized that I had the skills to outshoot them. And I very quickly realized at the time I didn't exactly have anything else. I wasn't much of an orator. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very good at, at putting together a list of things that were critical and I didn't have a great method. Um, the, now the second point is at, is, uh, some years later after I was teaching, you know, like, I don't know, like a hundred people a year to do life and death stuff. You know, you're working with you're working in an environment where 
like a slip of a scalpel or or a saw blade could give you some nasty transmittable yuck. Um, and after doing that for a while, realizing, all right, I can explain this stuff well enough. I can use my words well enough to get through this. And, and there's been no negative outcomes. Maybe I put that to something that I'm, I'm passionate about um, on the, you know, at that time on the, the hobby side. And that's when I, I think both of those clicked. Um, I think something that was, that was, well, there was a few things at, on the, you know, the clean room work side of things that really helped grow me as an instructor. What I think we've is, heard a couple oh, times before that um, teaching theory is pretty somewhat universal across the board. You know, like there's certain concepts and things that you're going to do regardless of what you're teaching about. So, you know, some, I mean, Tim Heron, for example, was used to do uh, classes on racing before yep. he got into firearms instruction. Yep. So this it's sort of a trend that we see from a couple different people where they teach something else first. Yep. Teaching is absolutely a, a separate skill from the side of shooting or violence or whatever you know you could be a great shooter and a garbage instructor <laughs> i was i was about to say be, i've met could, people who shoot really well and don't know how to you could be a don't know how to you tell you how to do it <laughs> you could be a fantastic teacher and you know tell you know teach anybody anything but you might be garbage at this sure you know? yeah there's a balance to strike yeah so what's your secret to creating lesson plans Uh, so I try and focus where others don't on, um, on the stuff that I'm teaching. Uh, there's all already, there's a lot of great instructors out there that will teach you how to run stuff, uh, the way that it has been done more or less for, you know, even the modern techniques, right. That's we're, we're getting decades old there. Um, and I think that a lot of those guys have more of the lineage, you know, like kind of like BJJ instructors will be like, they trace their, their instructors back to the beginning. Uh, you see that a lot in the, in the training community now. Um, I, I don't have that, uh, but I do have the, um, well, in focusing where uh, where others don't, I do have the ability to to kind of analyze the mechanics a little bit differently. Just uh, I think a lot of that's from previous work experience and understanding the, the anatomy and, and strength training kind of stuff there. Um, but yeah, I, I put that. I focus heavily on that in my lesson plans, and then uh, in my classes, I've heard. I've heard good feedback and, and negative feedback about this, but I, I prioritize individual attention above all. And, um, you know, it's, I may, I may get wordy with someone and we have like a five minute lull on the line and we're not just 
burning drills down. Um, I'll stop people frequently and like, all right, Hey, and I, I pick on people, right. All right. Hey, this, you know, I want you to run this drill again, do exactly what you did. And then I'll pause and like, this is what I'm seeing here. Here is this little issue or I'll ask, I, you know, I'll ask the class. I try and make things um, individual and interactive, right? So I'll pick on people like, Hey, what's this dude's problem <laughs> on the line? Um, which is usually, usually pretty funny, right? People, people don't, people are kind, people don't pile on. Um, but then, you know, I give my two cents and we, and we go back and forth more conversationally than I've experienced in any of the shooting classes that I have taken. I think that's good, man. Um, other thing too, is that again, I don't, I don't see it as separate as, you know, well, I'm a student and I'm an instructor. I feel like everyone should always be a student and always yeah. learning. And I also feel like in order for people to become really excellent, they have to dive deep into the process and probably understand it at the instructor level, even if they don't teach. Like you're not going to be a very good practitioner. So I think it's good to give people, and I assume you do, you, you give, would you say you give people the tools to, to self-diagnose and make That's... yourself better? So I think in, in all good classes, that is the focus. Um, you know, the focus shouldn't be to run this drill this, this fast. The standards are there to measure the shooter. Standards aren't, aren't you know, the pass-fail bar. Um, but yeah, giving people, you know, the, the, the pass is always, hey, do you, you didn't do that grip that I showed you. Do you, do you know where you went wrong there? If they can ID that, I'm like, all right, cool. You're leaving with the tools to come back and dominate it next time. Go, go bang your head against that for a few thousand reps at home. Come back to me, and, and that's the best way to maximize your value in your training. So do you all – do you see a problem that a lot of people aren't process-oriented? They're just kind of – outcome oriented like they have this benchmark i want to shoot this drill this fast or whatever like that and that's not the idea the idea right i would be that you want to build the right God, i hate the word fundamentals but you know what i'm trying to say right like the building blocks to like yeah to do things to achieve that not just go well i'm going to do this because that's not and and i'll i'll go even further i am not a big fan of people saying that the fundamentals and the building blocks um, because they, so many people are too literal in that. Like if I do this, then this will happen. Um, if I grip this pistol as hard as I can, then I will shoot better. Right. Is, are, are some of those true? Yeah, they're, they are. But what's more important than knowing, okay, grip it hard. And uh, here's the approach to side alignment. What's more important than all of that is, okay, here is how this works for me. And um, here is the difference between, you know, weak, medium, crush grip. Here's how it's applied. The, you know, the, the deeper whys behind things 
are much more meaningful because when people go home and do their dry fire, which guys, by the way, like you take a class, the value is not in the class. The, the value is in what you can replicate from the class after the class. Yeah. No, agree. When you go home, you have to have those tools. And if you just know, okay, um, you know, dude said this, two, three, and then there's the on switch. That might work for the first range session after that class. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After that, all of the nuance, all of the little tiny things, that the little pressures that were you were applying you know, in your hand, the, and... Um, and the, the approach, you'll forget it. Uh, and then you're back to square one. And so many shooters, I see this, like you, you come into a class, um, you kind of have your, you know, your dog shit run <laughs> at the first standard. The day goes by, um, you warm up and there's this massive improvement just by the fact that you warm up. And then I start changing stuff. I start picking at you, I start making you do stuff different. You see, you see dips, you know, ebbs and flows of skill, but at the end of the day, you're feeling good. You're at this high level. It's like, uh, people who focus on like, yeah, that was awesome. Now I shoot like that. No, it's gone, man. Like that's, that's not the, the takeaway you should have had, but the folks who are like, man, that kicked my ass. I performed awful, but I got my notes. All these things are so different than what I've done. Like if they, if, if they come away from the class thinking, okay, here are all the things that are different. Here's the approach that's different. Those are the guys that are going to see market improvement on their own. Yeah. And uh, another thing, I guess that I want to think like, say it was a breakthrough for me was, you know, and this is a very fine line between works for me, but some of this stuff is very personal, you know, like, you have to understand the why, but you have to apply it to you. Like there's no just yeah. standard grip, right? Right. There's, what is this, this is the right to you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to quickly touch on the first half of your original answer to that question about filling the void. Uh, I know a lot of people that carry full-size guns, and I know a lot of people that carry subcompact guns or micro guns and uh you're totally right i mean it's easy to go find you can find a class even a concealment uh oriented class that is gonna teach you some good stuff when it comes to draw or just concealment in general but they still most of them focus on full size or compact guns and yeah. that a lot of times <laughs> what i hear is People are shooting a gun in class and it'll be, it'll be a micro gun or whatever. And the instructor says, uh, yeah, buy, buy a bigger gun, man. That's, you know, like that's, it's just annoying to shoot. Just get a bigger gun. You know, like, look at the, this guy over here. Look, he's got a bigger gun and he's doing fine, you know, or your hands are too big for that gun. I hear that a lot. Um, but I, I hear a lot of people that 
I, I have seen people dismiss you before based on the fact that, well, he, he only uses these tiny guns or he's doing all these concepts that don't matter, right? But we don't, there are no other, what, how many other classes are there that are like, yeah, we're going to focus primarily on small guns, how to deploy them and how to conceal them well. And there's a lot of people that are carrying smaller guns now, which me included, depending on what I'm wearing. I mean, I, I still... I enjoy shooting larger guns more, but it was 90 degrees today. <laughs> I sure. walked outside with basketball shorts and a t-shirt and I'm like, I'm not going to, cons- I'm not even going to bother. I mean, I'm not going to, so I'm not going to wear a light bearing Enigma with a, a P10F. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just going to take a, a Glock 48, which is the smallest gun that I own, which is still not a tiny right. gun. But I mean, yeah, there's there's a void there that needs to be filled for sure. Yeah, and for the guys who, um, so there's a whole lot of people who fluctuate. They like I carry this in winter, and I carry this in summer. I carry this when I'm like I don't know. There's all kinds of less than awesome cliches like oh, if I go somewhere dangerous, I carry this and whatever. But the the, the guy for all the for all of you who carry. Uh, different sized guns at least you have seen the light that sometimes a smaller gun fits for you let me tell you this all of the training that you do on that smaller gun will apply directly to you being able to run that larger gun like a badass um every every split that i you know I can run 0.14 splits pretty easy on the 365X and keep them in the alpha at seven yards. I could run 0.11 and 0.12 when I had my gamered out Glock 19 with, you know, $4,000 of crap hanging off of it. I just don't carry that anymore because it doesn't fit my lifestyle. But I tell you what, man, all of the, all of the process of shooting the small gun is exactly the same as shooting a large gun. Here's the problem though. Learning to shoot a large gun and only running your competition gear in classes is a bad habit because those, you have this extra wiggle room. You have all of this extra margin for error and you are training to get used to that margin of error. And so when you carry something smaller, and you make that fumble, that mistake is going to be amplified 10 times more. So maybe stop bringing the gamer stuff to classes. If, if you are not gaming, right? If you're taking a class to be better in USPSA, dude, bring the open gun, cool. But if it's about daily carry, I mean, if you're taking a class, turn hard mode on. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm taking my first class with Craig in two weeks and I've been trying to figure out what gun I was going to take. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the Glock 48 and nothing else. (laughs) So. I really wish we could get um, and maybe it's out there and I haven't looked hard enough, Uh, but I need I need a Sims variant of a 365X. You know. Um, the, the snubbies have their workaround, right? You just get whatever you have and you yep. get it in 38 and you get the 38 Sims yep. and then you just safety check the crap out of that and you a box lot. that gun 
hardcore, but yes. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want some micro options for, for blue guns and for Sims. Well, I guess for Sims guns specifically. So another thing, I guess, you know, you, earlier you were talking about the advantages of, uh, you know, smaller platforms regardless. Uh, another one that I think is really, really relevant is why a smaller gun is actually better for like the entangled fight problem. I mean, yeah. again, I haven't seen people run, you know, figure it out. You know, it's always, you go to one of those classes, ECQC, whatever. What do you always end up with? The SIM gun Glock 17 or whatever, right? It's like, yeah, right. But if you've ever just grappled with a blue gun, let's say like a J frame or something, that is a bitch to get a hold of. Oh, yeah. It disarms, yeah. it disarms somebody with that, man. So it's like, it's odd, right? Because like I said, I generally, most days I carry two guns. I have a Glock 34 and I have that LCR in my pocket. Nice. And for like your average problem that I'm likely to encounter, your typical, you know, strong arm robbery or something like that, I actually want the little snubby. Now, Bingo. If I, now, if I want to go headshot that dude down the aisle in Walmart or whatever, yeah, I probably want that Glock 34 that has an, has an optic and the whole deal. And But they're different tools. So, again, I just think that's an important point to revisit. They're different tools for different problems. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the so you mentioned the entangle stuff. Um, a lot of people fail to see the benefits of deep carry for entangled fighting as well. Um, but, you know, you take one of Craig's classes and <laughs> just watch. You, you know, you don't have to experience this first. Just watch a few Evos. It is more than 50% likely that someone is going to have a gun come out that they did not want to come out. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It happens so often and it happens in those little, those little bump actions. Uh, I'll tell you what, if the entire grip is below your belt line and your attacker has to take a 50 50 shot of grabbing your gun or your firearm it's yeah, a little easier to retain your stuff um absolutely man absolutely i would love to get your like i would love to get your uh you know your deep carry concept to work with you know my full size but I just, I guess I just need to play with it, man. Cause I, I just find that that scooping thing just weird. Right. Like I, 
I kind of come from the school of like, man, I want to establish my master grip before, you know, in the four count paradigm of the thing. I want to have my master grip. Like that's the last grip I'm ever going to get on my gun before I even clear holster, you know? Yep. There's, there's some different rules. There's some different things at play there, right? When you're, when your entire belt is covering that gun, you have a lot more, well, your garment is holding that gun to your body a lot more and, and forcing an orientation on that gun a lot more than when the grip is above. So, you know, when you're carrying a standard appendix and you need, you need an absolute hundred percent master grip before the gun moves in the holster. Yeah, I understand because there's nothing, there's no safety after that. You know, a flick will, will render that gun useless on the ground. Best case scenario. Right. Um, but when that is a little deeper, once you get your hand all the way, even, even all the way, like the knuckles are past the belt line. Um, there's, there's some forces that while your fingers aren't wrapped all the way as deeply as you would in a master grip, uh, the force of the belt against pressing that, that gun into your hand is significantly more than what you have in standard AIW. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell everyone this is, this is what you should do, especially with a Glock 34 there. Well, I'll just say this. There's, there's body types and gun sizes that will work with this. Um, I don't think that you have to dress around the gun as much as people seem to think they do. Uh, but if you have a short torso, you want to carry a Glock 34 and you like fitted jeans, probably not going to work out for you. There's just not enough room for that gun in those pants. Gotcha. Yeah. No, man, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing how I can make it work, man. I like to try ideas, but cool. What are important things in your opinion for instructors beyond just the curriculum? Deeper understanding of, um, Four things here. So, uh, deeper understanding of anatomy. If you're a firearms instructor, you are teaching a martial art. You are a sports instructor. You need to know human anatomy. You need to know how we bend, where the strength is. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to say this is for firearms manufacturers as well, but another topic. Um, yeah, understand human anatomy, understand strength and what creates strength outside of just like the, the tired bro cliches. Um, like take some, take some physical therapy, open source classes, YouTube Academy, some powerlifting. Understand the human hand really well because that's what you're teaching most of the time. Uh, the other one is understand movement and efficiency of movement um, and actually test it yourself. Don't just take what everyone else has said. Uh, not because I assume that they're wrong, but like when someone tells me something, someone, I mean, this is the type of guy I am. Someone tells me the stove is hot. Like, all right, bro, I'm still going to touch it. I got to know. I have to know that truth for myself and then it'll register. 
Um, so yeah, test that stuff, test your theory or test the, the movement anatomy stuff that you are learning on yourself. And then the last thing is like, uh, understand physics a little bit, especially in the gun realm. Um, I see a lot of, I see a lot of claims that don't really hold up for like physics style stuff. Uh, especially when it comes to like slow motion analysis of, of the shooting of the recoil cycle. Um, like, it, well, I'll say this, if everyone had the several thousand dollar cameras that gave you the you know million frames per second and they could use that, a lot of these opinions that are out there would go away overnight. Instead, what we have is dudes with iPhone cameras snapping slow-mo photos and taking freeze frames and making up the rest. Um, don't be that guy. There's, there are the slow motion videos out there. They don't have to be about what you want them to be about. It doesn't, you know, if you can find any video on YouTube of the million frames per second of someone firing a gun, just watching that video a dozen times to see how the recoil actually enters the hand and the body that will teach you something that you need to know if you are instructing other people to do it well. Um, that first one that you mentioned about anatomy, I think is nobody else has mentioned that before, but every single person that we've spoken to thus far has demonstrated a pretty clear understanding of it. So that's, that's definitely a good one. That's, that's definitely a great one. That's actually probably one of my, one of my favorite answers <laughs> to that question so far. That's so solid. Uh, I believe Dave Spalding actually like has a degree in, I want to say like sports physiology or something hmm. like that. And that makes it sense. really shows, it really shows when he like actually explains concepts and explains them well. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I despise the gatekeeper stuff out there. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to go get a doctorate in something. I'm not saying you need to go take the actual classes, but like, this is your passion nerd out on it in a more efficient way. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. So how do you generate interest for your courses or what aspect helps you generate it into that interest? Controversial YouTube videos that yeah, upset so, people. Yeah, so I uh, the stuff that I do doesn't really need a whole lot of promotion um, because I will I will typically start with you know here's something that I can show you um, and usually well I'll say as of like four years ago I think when I started to do the the social media or the YouTube stuff. Um, just, just me saying, Hey, look what I can do was like, ah, oh, this is like, what you're doing is dangerous. And, and your fake YouTube videos that are CGI are putting people's lives in danger. Um, you know, I think that's all I really need, right. For, for the stuff that I focus on first, I'm going to show it and then I'm going to explain it. I don't 
I don't really worry about giving away the secret sauce because there are things, I mean, if you're, if you want to get your, um, your YouTube shooting degree in the retinue mirror technique, man, go out there. There's probably a hundred hours of content now. Most of it is just me going over the techniques that I teach. Um, but I know this, you're not going to get all the way there unless I can put my hands on you and move you around and show you physically how I'm doing this stuff. Um, you know, with you as my meat puppet on the range, you can get most of the way there. Um, maybe, maybe some of you guys will get all the way there because you are gifted and you are, you, you, maybe you learn more like I do, or you just, you know, you don't even need to hear me talk. You just need to watch the clip of me doing it on repeat for a few hours. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I approach that. Proof's in the pudding. And I think that now, uh, now I am, now that I have uh, quite a few people who I have trained, uh, it certainly helps that, you know, now there's like dozens of people out there doing the same um, who are not firearms instructors. They're just dudes who happen to go through my class or take some privates with me who can now do the unthinkably dangerous or whatever, whatever YouTube madness says things that I do. So as an instructor, are there any issues that you've run into that you hadn't uh, considered previously? Um, so the biggest issues uh, that I found when I started when I started to do the open enrollment classes are bad gear of the student or of you of, of the students. I figured um, I had to ask. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I've, I've had gear failures. Um, I've had, I've had some, some hilarious and embarrassing gear failures. Um, a lot of that is because I think if you are, if you're an avid shooter and you're, you are practicing what you preach, you will shoot a gun apart. You'll probably do that a few times every couple of years. Um, you know, I, the only guns that I really don't beat the hell out of are the guns that I carry. And that's kind of a maybe like I, I'm still pretty hard on those. Uh, so in classes, um, I've shot optics off of guns, you know, it's just like, bang, 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 bang. There it goes over my shoulder during a demo. I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. Um, broken, you know, broken bolts, um, had like, had a QD mount fail and almost dirt my, my rifle, you know, yeah. in, a, in a demo. I'm like, oh God, that's, yeah, those things happen. Um, but most of the time it's like people come with gear that is either not set up correctly or, or gear that is, uh, just not good. Um, th this happens in pistol classes. Almost always it's a bad holster choice. Um, or the holster is just poorly serviced. Like those screws, those Chicago screws walk. 
So that, that stuff happens in shotgun and rifle classes, um, mostly rifle and, and like the AR stuff. It's always optics. You can say it till you're blue in the face, but like zero your gun and know that your gun is yeah. class because taking the time to get everyone zeroed is like a quarter of your day. Don't pay me to zero your gun. It's an expensive way to zero your gun. So just out of curiosity, real quick, not to derail the rest of your answer, but do you find that uh, the majority of uh, let's talk about holsters specifically are not really tailored for deeper carry, or do you find that it, uh, that it really causes more wear or any type of issues with most holsters? I mean, I know the, the Enigma is probably really a, a game changer for that in a lot of ways, but I, I'm, I'm curious to know if you've noticed any failures specifically that you've had where you're like, Hmm, I don't think most people have that problem if they're just, you know, like throwing a holster on a belt at, uh, let's say, normal carry height. Yeah, so there's, um, well, I'll say this. So, so first off, there's the Enigma, which is any, any quality holster that I've found plus the Enigma gives you a solid, out-of-the-box, deep carry option. Pretty easy to put it together. The only thing that's not going to work there is if your gun is too big or you, or you dress like, um, like emo skinny jeans. Right. Um, but for, for folks, I, I see folks come, they want to try the sub belt thing. Uh, it's dude, it's diet cola. Like it's like diet Pepsi, which is like the worst diet cola. Right. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the, the sub belts don't work great. They are a great way to dabble. Um, but if you have made the decision that you're going to invest in a class, probably better to like step up to the gear that, that works well. So like the Enigma works well. Um, I always screw this up. It is the smart carry. Fabric. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing, like, it drops down there, and you have to like pull it up or something. Oh, that thing, that where you, yeah, if you go fast enough, thing. yeah, you'll throw the gun to the bad guy. Ultra flap. That is the sorry. That is the. I think that's the urban carry. Oh, you're right. Yep. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's so that, that's what I wanted to be careful not to confuse. Yeah. So the the urban carry, people are like, well, that's deep concealment. I'm like, sure. Footsteps you know? of a Navy SEAL. And those, those trikes on the road are technically cars. I don't know. Motorcycles. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that, so yeah, the urban carry, the little, the flap that you pull up to here, no. It's a, it's a strong no for me. Um, and I tell that they, they don't even get past the emails because everyone always asks. Um, but the smart carry is in a lot of ways the, the predecessor to the enigma concept maybe um and there are definitely ways to optimize that setup for deep carry and i'll say for the smallest most petite people most uh most confined by wardrobe maybe there's some some area where that might work better for some people 
Um, but like the 99.99% of people just go get an enigma. That's kind of, I'm, I'm a fan. That's the future. That's, that's the way you ought to be doing stuff. Um, even if you're not going to deep carry all the time, your draw, if you, if you learn the deep carry draw, it's the same draw to carry above the waist. And then if you're do, if you have the setup where you can either deep carry or above waist carry standard carry, uh, so your draw is the same, your gear is the same. You don't have to do this thing where you sit and you test outfits in the morning. It's like, no, I carry the same way in the same spot every single day. The difference is, you know, that much elevated or dropped. Well, I think also another thing that people don't consider with the Enigma is it allows your clothes to lay on you the way it's supposed to and not bunch up funny or have clips or other funny, goofy telltale signs that there's a gun on you. Yeah. And maybe something that I should, I should specify, I probably should have said this earlier when I was talking about deep carry. Um, deep carry is, is where the gun is most of the time. But when I am deep carrying, you guys can, if you're interested, there's a plenty of YouTube videos that I've done on this. Um, I can put like my fingers in my pockets that deep and just do that. You know, that shrug that all of us guys do when we grab our belt and adjust things that need to be adjusted. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I can do that adjustment. And what that does is, you know, I'm taking my fingers and I'm just rotating them under the belt, but touching the bottom of the Enigma chassis there. And I go from an invisible carry with my shirt off to a proper height standard AIWB um, presentation. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm in an area and I am only carrying the, the Enigma and whatever gun is on that. And like, I'm getting strong bad guy vibes. Like I might need to be drawing this gun in a hurry. I can do that little motion in the middle of a conversation. And um, I mean, would your super switched on bad guy know what's going on? And maybe. Um, I don't even think I don't even think they'd understand quite what's going on. They might sense there's something amiss, but they probably wouldn't know like what the hell it was. Right. I mean, here's, here's my view. My you view know? on it is I bounced for a lot of years, or, or, or I'm, I mean, uh, several places and you know through jobs. I'm not going to say I'm. That's my my primary profession, but I, I did that job in enough settings to know that that's kind of a thing, right? Someone's going to square up and start broing out on you. Like you do the little pants adjustment. Someone makes you uncomfortable. Like you do the little pants adjustment. Um, it's a picking gesture. Yeah. But I don't think that, you know, I, I think a lot of times I can get away with that. I think if I'm going, you know, if I have that like spidey sense, I can quickly flip that back and forth. And I say that so that you guys know 
I can do both on the fly when I want to. Do I need to do that? I don't know that I do, um, but you guys might want to and you totally could. Well, on, on the flip side of that, you can also carry above the belt. And if you are about to go into any type of situation where you're down, you're going to take your shirt off yep. for some reason, I'm sure you can just as easily, easily push it back down. And then you don't have that issue. You know what I mean? How often yep. do we really take our shirts off in public? Probably not yeah, very what, often. What I think but about it, you know, there's that. certain things that happen where it's like, you're going to lift your arms up to do something. I mean, I just had a situation yes. a couple of weeks ago where I was about to uh, lift my arm up to do something. And I have a long torso and very short legs, which is often a problem. My shirt was tucked in. So I was about to reach my right arm up. I think it moved like an inch. And I was like, no, I'm going to use, I'm going to use my left arm instead for that. <laughs> yeah. Grabbing the, the thing at the top shelf at Walmart. Yeah. Hugs from the in-laws. Um, children running towards you, right? Those are, those are things like, oh really? God, you are about to slap my belly and feel something steal and proclaim to everyone. Knock. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Uh, those are those are things that happen to me, at least. Solid point, man. I appreciate that. It kind of puts it into perspective. That's actually a pretty flexible solution, you know. You just see other... this one why you need to buy an Enigma. Honestly, yeah. I mean, we're we're pretty much at that point. Yeah. So the the other the other one that I want to say there is um, driving wind and printing, because I know a lot of people. Like they, like you can set your garments up so that they lay normally and you don't print at all. Um, but at least where I am, like Colorado is starting to feel a whole lot like Wyoming lately. Um, it's like everywhere I go, man, the 20 mile an hour wind blowing into me. It's like when that smears your shirt yeah, flat against your body, there's no hiding anything there. So yeah, deep carry works really well for me for that. Another nice thing is it removes tells. If you're aware, you're not tugging at your, the ends of your shirt, your shirt tails anymore. If you yeah. know, it's right. It's appendix. It's low. There's nothing showing. Cause I, yep. I remember going to the local university, unfortunately, and uh, seeing people in front of me pulling in a specific area. And, and then I look just above there. Yep. There's a butt of a gun sticking through the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tells. Man, cues, cues and tells are a really big deal. And when you actually start thinking about this in the actual realm of social violence, right? Because yeah. like, I'd say one of our primary skills is to be aware of and read them in other people and don't transmit the like, don't put out the ping yourself. Yeah. You know? Well, well come on now. Criminals yeah. are dumb. They're not. Yeah, that's what they don't pay attention to that. They, don't, they don't look for stuff like that. They're too busy thinking about robbing that's places. Right. They're not going to notice. And this reminds me of, I believe it was Daryl saying that there are basically three levels and that is covered, concealed, and was it deep concealment was the third. And for me, concealed yeah. is prime is that's my a, a number one covered is not sufficient, but deep concealed, like through the Enigma, this is a big commercial for the Enigma. It's optimal, I find. It's we're, just we're nice. all on Team Enigma here. We really are. I'm. I have no problem with hiding that. Yeah, I remember I that. I think it. he described uh, deep concealed as undetectable mm -hmm. unless yes. it's 
a metal unless it's you know something that is made specifically to detect metal like i think he described Maybe. it as you should be able to pass a pat down and they're still not going to know that it's there I, i'm pretty sure that's what he described that it as right. which that's like that's that's a pretty deep level of concealment for sure <laughs> I, from folks that I have uh, done training for who are doing work, I have heard multiple accounts that, yeah, those make it through all the time. Yeah. So let's see here. If you could go, if you could go back and do it over again, what would you do differently as an instructor? Stack ammo deeper. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, or uh, alternatively, uh, stack all of the primers hmm. or alternatively buy out of like decommissioned Tula plant and have it imported. Geniuses. Someone did that, I believe. <laughs> I think we should all do that regardless of whether yeah. or not we're instructing at this point, honestly. So, so no change in direction of what you teach? Um, my lengthy list of failures has brought me to where I am. Yeah. In any way that would lessen the pain of those failures would result in an inferior me today. Amen to that. I know how that is. Yes. So I, um, you know, I'm not going to go and say, I wish that things had gone worse and I wish I would have experienced more hardship, but you know, no, uh, no regrets. Yeah. Some lessons have to be learned the hard way. That's, yeah. that's the only way. I mean, somebody, can, oh, yeah. somebody can, it's the same thing that you were talking about before with the stove. I have, I talk to a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am and much more eloquent. And they've told me before, you need to stop acting like a moron, but I don't learn the lesson until I act like a moron and then suffer the repercussions of acting like a moron. So, <laughs> well, that's been a conundrum for me with primary and secondary and also with uh, teaching officers and things like that. What is the point where I need to stop being the parent and making sure that my kids don't get hurt? There's a point where they need to fall off their bike and I can't always catch them because if I'm always catching them, how are they going to learn and grow? I'm, I am absolutely that, that parent. Like we've had, you know, encounters at the park. Like, sir, your daughter's about to I'm like, yeah, she is. Yeah. Let that happen. I'm Brett recording it. It's going on YouTube. Bike, That's actually. Right. He's not just letting them fall off. He's like, get, get over there. Fall <laughs> off the bike. I'm going to get so many views. <laughs> Have you had any, and I mean that, <laughs> have you had any considerations with insurance with uh, your instruction, anything strange or any, any insight to share? No, it's just a bummer that insurance is um, so incredibly risk averse in this industry to the point of creating more danger. Uh, the, the, the insurance that is accessible to your average instructor, they're just not going to insure you to do the great things like Sims training. Um, even Airsoft stuff is like, oh no, 
absolutely not. That's a bummer. Uh, so yeah, that's the only thing I'll say is like, it's that, that is holding the industry back quite a bit. And it's definitely an aspect that a lot of people haven't even considered when it came to teaching. If you were a host, you're aware of it because you're most likely your range is going to ask for some of this stuff and you might wind up being a middle person to pass information on, or they just say, give me their email so I can get the insurance. Oh, and, and there's so many training deserts across the U S because of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Colorado to, <laughs> to get any of the good people here, we have, we have a pretty large international airport. We have pretty excellent range facilities within like half an hour of that. And yet, if you look at where most of the big names come for classes in Colorado, it's like, go to the airport, rent a car, drive three hours until you get away from all of the risk-averse ranges. Is Pueblo still pretty popular? Pueblo, yeah. Pueblo, will, um, there's a, a few decent facilities down there. Um, Northern Colorado has some decent ones. Um, I will host some stuff out at my little place out just out east, uh, which, you know, we, we, we have Craig, uh, try and get Craig every year. Um, and going, you know, being able to go there rather than the, the two hours north has been a big deal. And that, sorry, we've kind of, you know, I, I digress, not insurance. <laughs> I just remember uh, Pueblo has hosted a lot of my friends and that that's uh, I think Jeff Carpenter's the guy that's been the main go-to to host just a great, great selection of uh, awesome classes. Yeah. Pueblo is a hall though. Pueblo is New Mexico. Oh, well, no, I mean, Pueblo is in Colorado, but you know, okay. if you ask most Coloradans, they would give it to New Mexico. Mm, okay. Part of <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but I also understand it was a murder capital of the United States. It, it gets was like among the top 10, top five. So yeah, that's awesome. Who'd have thunk? What is your advice to future instructors? Um, so my, my advice to everyone who endeavors to be great at anything, I think uh, off the top of my head is, um, fail fast, fail cheap, fail often. Uh, just don't be afraid. You are going to fall face first in anything, any endeavor that you do. Um, but get the worth out of it and do it without dying. Right. Uh, so would you say wear with pride and share it? I'm sorry. Oh, would you say wear those failures with pride and share them? <laughs> I mean, I think all of us have done some cringy stuff that we'd rather not look back at. So, you know, you don't have to post your cringe videos. I, I see this as like this, somewhat of a phenomenon in, in our little community that started. I'm like, ah, that's not what I mean. Like, you don't have to embarrass yourself or show those. Um, you, you, can, you can keep those secret, uh, but you know, right? And I think there is, you can see it in, in a person a person who has been there in those moments and had enough of those, um, you can't fake that, right? There's, so yeah, fail fast, 
fail cheap, fail often. The other one I will say uh, is teach free classes. Um, this is something I, that I got turned on to doing a few years ago, and it has been one of the most rewarding things out there. Um, especially if you are in a state that has wonky concealed carry laws, uh, that makes people jump through hoops and pay too much. Well, you may be a nobody instructor, um, but man, hone your skills on people who are not paying you number one. And then through that, you're still providing a service, right? Providing them access to their rights they're born with. And, um, and you get to, to learn because there's, there's no replacement for experience. So if you are teaching free classes often, you are very quickly going to surpass the reps of instructors who do not teach for free, right? I don't care if you've been in instructing for 30 years, if you do one class of five people every month. Um, I know the first year that I started doing the free classes, I hit like 5,000 people through my classes in the first year. Um, like it was just like, you know, big churches and like, um, that's what I want to do. Like big churches, big groups of friends. And like, you have 50 people in a room. I'm talking like lecture stuff. I'm, I'm not saying go slam 150 people through live fire. Um, but like good lectures on the stuff that, that, you have a good handle on and become a better orator through that method. Um, you can also do Toastmasters. Uh, look at look at your where you work. If you have a day job, look at train the trainer stuff. Um, I had to do a bunch, you know, years of train the trainer, and they were always trying to do Toastmastery kind of exercises, which just sucks because I still say um, all the time and I stutter. Uh, but imagine how awful I used to be. Yep. As a podcast, what is this even called? Podcast person? Um, stutters regularly. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I agree. Just speaking in front of people and trying to sound cohesive and yeah. Like you said, not a lot of weird ticks and stutters and stops. And... The other thing I had on there right uh, now was about, I, I said this earlier, um, evaluate if you are a gun guy or if you are a shooter. Do not teach people shooting if you are a gun guy. Be a shooter if you're going to teach shooting. Yeah, I think we see that a lot nowadays especially online it's it's like amplified online yeah. people buy people buy guns and they're expensive and then it's just like all right cool i uh i am now certified to teach other people what to do with their firearms <laughs> it's very common yeah I, again not gatekeeping i don't think you need to go and burn down every mat every good instructor's black belt standards or yeah. or coin patches or whatever. Um, but, and you ought to be able to pass your local law enforcement test. You ought to be able to get perfect scores on that. Like, you know, bars low there. Maybe that's a little bit of gatekeeping. <laughs> it is low. 
but it's somewhere to well, start. You're, you're not wrong. There's, yeah. I mean, gatekeeping is not always bad. That's true. It, it is bad there often, is. but there are certain situations where, yeah, we should probably, uh, we should probably keep some people in check based on what they're teaching. I mean, if you're, if you just want to teach somebody how to play tic-tac-toe, I don't really care whether or not you're a tic-tac-toe champion, but if you're going to teach somebody how to operate a gun, uh, Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You should probably have a little bit of credibility. You should at least shoot guns very well before you start doing that. Yeah, and, so, and I, I'm going to say that you don't need to be, about... you know, you don't need to be, in, you don't need to be surpassing people who have been shooting far longer than you, but you, you should have some proficiency to some extent. Yeah. And I'm saying that specifically about people who are going to do live fire instruction. Um, Cause there's more and more, and I don't, I don't hate on this at all. There are plenty of defensive firearms instructors who teach strictly lecture based content uh, who could teach half day or full day classes and still have plenty more to say. I mean, there, there is that much content out there that doesn't require you to go put hands on and go run a gun. Just knowing, you know, knowing some of the rules that we've all been through in, in these classes, yeah, that's a thing now. And I think that's a category of instructor. I'm like, okay, if you're that instructor, just know your stuff, have it, you know, have that stuff checked out and have more than one guy that you know on that same train with you. Okay, I think this might be my favorite question. What's the one thing you've changed your mind about in the last five years? Uh, um, I'm gonna say the importance of weight mobility and um i have something written down here yeah so the, the importance of weight and mobility and comfort uh when it comes to when it comes to this whole defense thing um, we are so often teaching classes as instructors or as you know uh like crowd public facing people who put on this tank presence or facade, whatever yeah. that, you know, um, what concealed carry looks like is like full size gun, extra mags, pocket knife sting dangling off of every pocket and, and the, the gizmos and the gear and like plate carrier, got to do rifle carbine, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think about, I think about, I used to be that guy. Um, man, I was, I was an awful nerd for all of the 
cliches of the moment. Um, you know, like I was the dude in the plate here, get in the fight and like doing all the derpy stuff. And I, I've made a 180 on that. Uh, not because I think that everyone who does that is lame or, you know, it's unrealistic for everyone, but because it's not realistic for me. Yeah. And I know if, if it's not realistic for me as someone who is as deeply entrenched in this community and in deeply invested in training uh, and, and this lifestyle as I am, man, it's, it's not worth it for most people. Um, so I started to think about, I think what, what changed it for, for me and my practices was like, man, my body is beat up. This Glock 19 is making my back hurt all the time. I'm not a huge dude. So yeah, I'm like, I'm 5'10", 185. Um, and the, that gun would just make me ache. I'd be grouchy over it. And like, and then I'm making excuses like not to do stuff because I'm carrying this big old gun. Like, you know, yeah. So I, so I ditched it. And now, now I carry a little tiny stuff. Um, for everyone else though, and kind of bringing that, that message to more folks, um, I started to think about, well, what if, what if concealed carry wasn't just like legalized or, or permitted in every state? What if it went one step further? What if it was mandatory for everyone over, you know, certain age all the time? What would that look like for most people? And what that looks like for most people, because you, I mean, the lazy people out there, you got, you have plenty of them in your classes already, um, but you got to work to them. So with those lazy people, what are they going to be carrying? What are the, what are the majority of people going to be doing every day? I think it's something like a little snubby in a pocket. Pocket super, carry. <laughs> yep. In a pocket or a super minimalist holster at, you know, for those times where they feel they're, they're super threatened. Um, Guys, you want like, you want this lifestyle and like this acceptance of the responsibility for your own safety to, to propagate and be more popular. You've got to connect with the people who are too lazy to do it right now. Yep. So is pocket carry ideal for fighting a armored rifle equipped mass violence, whatever? No. But man, it's better than nothing. And if that gets you the next step of the way to the next part, the next more dedicated piece of gear, all right, I'm about it. Very yeah, long. Like I said, man, zero excuse, zero excuse gun. That's like, that's yeah. literally what I call it. Just there's, you have no reason not to have this minimum level gun on you. Yep. As you were describing the way, and I'm going to admit also the way we were with the rifle and the plate carrier and this and that and the other, going to training with all that, training was more simple. It was easy because everything is readily available. Mags are right here. My, my holster is openly carried. Access is super simple. My rifle is right here. Super, super simple to access. And then going to more advanced things which unfortunately are considered advanced, even though they're more realistic and they're more applicable to our daily lives. It just, it's an interesting paradigm to, to look at and to realize, wait a minute, 
easy mode is this dress up thing. Real mode is going to be a bit more difficult and we need to pay more attention to it and take it more seriously. Yep. I had not thought about it that way. It's an interesting, that's an interesting kind of paradox, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, going through Darcy X amount of times, all kitted up. Yeah. Well, getting in gunfights well, and stuff, that was easy. Now go through well, think about it. something else. Yeah. Well, think about it. So, you know, the professional, you know, gun carriers, right. You know, cops, soldiers, whatever. What do you think they do? They try to make their lives easier. Yep. Yes, I do. When, when you have to operate, when you have to operate on a low profile kind of spectrum, you're adding in extra challenges. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and that's my life now. I'm no longer a soldier. Yeah. I'm just a regular private citizen. I carry a gun. So now it adds new dimensions and it's actually harder. But yes. like Rhett was saying, I do everything, all my work from concealed. Yeah. And I preach this to other people. I'm like, that's cool that you want to get your cool guy battle belt, your safari land and go yes. cosplay on the weekends. But that's not your life. Yeah. <laughs> you will not carry a gun that I hope you don't carry a gun that way. <laughs> well, in, in the apocalypse, yeah, when, I mean, when we're trading yeah, for it, ammo right. or whatever, and yeah. your little and your little Mad Mac and your little Mad Mac, exactly. For drink, like great, dude. But we, ha I think we still have a couple years before that. So I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of argument about this <clears throat> with some with some different people. I've seen mostly USPSA shooters that often argue the concept that uh, they don't really think there's much of a difference between training specifically with uh, open carry, you know, like three o'clock on, on their range belt versus uh, concealed carry. And I think that's definitely held true for some of them. They've definitely provided the necessary proof to make me say, all right, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I trust you, but <clears throat> I, I really think it depends on how many rounds you're putting through your gun, how many reps you're doing because I, I cannot afford to shoot enough to get to the point of proficiency where there's no difference there. But, you know, I know a lot of people that shoot less than me that still every time they go to the range, it's all right. I got my I got my range bell. I'm ready to go. And it's like, bro, why? Why are you bringing that? Like, you don't you don't even if you're not even if you're not even going to shoot competition to begin with and you bought it just for the range, but you you never use it otherwise. I still stick to the methodology, the, the philosophy that I would rather just um, go to the range exactly how I normally carry a gun with the same gun that I normally carry. Now, those guys who are who are making those claims, I think that they are correct. Those guys who are USPSA GMs who are running a gun at this point, but just by virtue of making that class, they are running all guns from a point of automaticity. Um, that anything from the point that their grip of their, of their, their dominant hand is established on that gun is identical to them. They don't feel a difference. They have the reps because they beat their head against that problem so frequently. That is their job. It is what they, their passion is what they do. 99% um, of people will never know what any level of automaticity feels like when handling a firearm. Yes. So don't apply 
what those guys get away with to what you get away with. Also on the gear train, those guys know how to set up gear super efficiently because their sport depends on it. Their, their uh, success in that sport depends on every, it's not even, it's hundredths of a second that they have to maximize in that sport. So when they put their mind towards setting up a daily carry rig, all of their cheats goes into that. You don't know those cheats. You will never know those cheats unless you make GM and do the same exercise. So don't, don't think it will work for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've started to kind of fall into the same thing where you first get into guns and everything is cool. So I had, I, I have a range bell. I had a, I had a plate carrier. I had plates for it. I had a helmet and all this stuff and it was fun. And then like, the only thing that I, the only thing I ever take to the range at this point is I'll take my range belt if I'm going to take my rifle as well yeah. to do, uh, if, if I want to practice anything like that. But half the time, the last class that I went to, I went to a class that was rifle and pistol recently, and I did not even have the right holster for my range belt. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to run it with a rifle and concealed, which was kind of hilarious. But I mean, it worked fine. You know, it's like, why not? You know, yeah. The only time I think the gear, uh, like the the cool guy gear, becomes necessary is when the class is really structured for it. And I'll say, just don't don't be a bad student and hold up the class because you insist on doing reloads from the pocket. Um, that's not because I want you know. That's that's out of respect to your fellow shooters and your instructors, not out of training um, needs there. How would you recommend people vet their instructors? Uh, so I want to see, I want to see what classes they've taken in the last couple of years. Uh, right off the bat, if they haven't taken one in a year, I mean, COVID's kind of over now, right? The 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 cancel year is kind of gone, right? Um, so if people aren't back on their training, I'm like, eh, maybe don't. Cause he's not that dedicated to his own work. If he's not keeping up to go to at least a class every year. Um, so I asked about that. Um, I want to see people perform. I want to see, I want to see something. I don't know. Like teach me something that I don't know that I can't get access to. So when I go take classes, it's like kind of weird stuff. Um, at this point, it's it's like the the bizarro um uh, uh, sorry i don't have an example for you but it's like it's it's no longer the average you know pistol one two yep. three even, even the advanced pistol stuff um i've done enough of those i'm not learning new lessons when i see someone with a new lesson i'll go and then um the other, the exception to that is i will take that pistol class if i see someone do something that i can't do uh, like what it's been two years, maybe three years, but one that sticks with me is, um, I started nerding out on, on Scott Jimlinski's stuff, uh, cause he's a phenomenal shooter. And he's one of the guys that I was talking about in the beginning 
where I can watch his stuff super slow motion. And I don't know what's going on there that makes it special where his, his, but he knows. Right. Uh, so man, I got to go visit the guy and see if yeah. I can pick that out in person, either from viewing really close and, and being that guy on the range or from the lessons that he's teaching. Do you find yourself to be that guy on the range a lot? I, cause I personally would appreciate it. Cause if you're seeing so something so? that if you're seeing something that's pick, that's pinging on your radar going, what's going on here? I'm going to be, and you bring it up. I'm going to be interested in finding out. Okay. So what are you seeing? What, what's going on here? What's, what's different. And then this, this additional perspective would be a, a benefit. Well, also that I'm the, I'm the demo guy. Um, so like, I, I try not to, I have definitely been an asshole in a class in, in more than one class. Like, especially when it's a, like the, if the class content is something I don't know, and that's something I don't know is like tactics and, and um, more like procedural stuff. I ask a lot of questions. Uh, if, if it's the shooting class though, knowing that I want to just see it up close, I can definitely be the rude guy. That's like, I am going to make sure that I am standing exactly 90 degrees from you as close as you will allow me to be before I give you, you know, creeper vibes. And I'm going to try and shove my way into that position for every single demo all the time, because I paid my money for it. That's how I learn best. And I'm going to maximize that time. Um, selfish, but sometimes we have to be selfish in those, in those scenarios. That's all right. Cause most of the time, three quarters of the students are standing the, 20 feet away, phone? looking at their phones anyway, during the demos. So the, the like last the, class like the I was guys. at, yeah, the last class I was at, the instructor was like, I'm going to run this demo. I want every single one of you to come up one at a time and I'll rerun it for each of you. And it was a small class, so it didn't matter. But he was like, I want you guys this far away from the gun. And I want you to actually stare at the gun and see what my hands are doing and what the gun is doing. So it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. It is, it is a big deal. I mean, you got to you got if you're a visual learner, you have to be able to see it up close. I, I will also say that um, I so having having taught in multiple in different industries over as long as I have now and learning from as many different instructors in different industries as I have now. When it comes to performing physical, like sports type actions, even in the even in the medical stuff that I did, the way that people describe how they do something is often completely different in how I perceive them doing it. And so sometimes the, the magic that I get out of a class is the instructor's words and how they do it. And like I've I've taken some instruction from some really high-level dudes, and I'm like, I walk away from that class. I'm like, bro, what you're teaching people with your words and your process, it works, but it is not what you are doing. <laughs> like you did, you didn't grip that gun exactly how you just explained how we should grip that gun. Um, I don't think that's a fault of the instructor. Like we, we lack the ability to step outside of ourselves and watch ourselves, you know, outside of, doing a whole lot of self-analysis and video now. Um, but I want both, right? I want both takeaways. 
But would you say that a trait of a superior instructor is self-awareness to make those things mesh up? I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it necessarily has to be there. Um, I don't want to name drop anyone here because it would be offensive to like be told that what you're teaching and what you're doing are not the same yeah. thing. But, um, but his I'm initials saying, are rhymes no, with multiple dudes, multiple dudes that are um, both on the law enforcement military side and high level, like GMs. And I see it and I'm like, man, uh, what you're saying is still worth every penny, but I wish that I could just, you know, pay for your highlights real too. Does that answer your question? Sorry. I think so. Yeah, no, I just was, it's an interesting observation to see that sometimes those things just don't mesh up. Right. I, I think that most of us yeah. are going to be guilty of it at some time with something that we teach. If we are teaching any kind of, breadth of content okay. next question i'm thinking i need to just ask this because it's so close to the last one what do you look for in an instructor yeah i want that thing that um i want the thing that i can't do yeah and that's uh it's I also want, so I, I still want to take classes for fun sometimes. Um, so I will take classes to better me, I guess, three different things that I will do, three different classes that I'll take at this point. I'll take a class for the skill that I don't have, that, that I can see it in someone else. They have that skill. Um, I'll take a class for the class that I don't have. Right. If I know someone just puts on a phenomenal class or a phenomenal show um, or, you know, the flow of all of their stuff is really good. Even if I don't care about what the content is, I'll go take that uh, and just like try and be a better instructor. Um, and then the last one is, you know, sometimes I just want to do some dirty, nerdy, fun stuff. Yeah. You specifically said to take a class or to see a class or a show. And that, yeah, because a lot of times going to Pat Rogers for X amount of years, the way he did things, uh, going to Darcy that first day, and I talk about it all the time, not as much anymore though, but the first day, some of these presentations are, this is, I wish I could record it all to share with everyone because it's done so well and it really provides so much purpose to everything that we're doing throughout the, then uh, for the whole the entire week. But really there is a show yeah. and that, and it adds a lot of value with for good instructors. So sometimes another thing I really like is to get, you know, like there's no point in reinventing the wheel, right? We don't want to, there's only so many right ways to do something, but sometimes an alternative perspective, somebody just presents something in a way that clicks for you, I think, which is why I've tried to find so many instructors and get their somewhat unique take on it, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. 
Yeah, how many podcast. can I learn to hold a gun and press this bang button um, and still end up with a whatever, a sub two second build drill, something like that? Um, I think it's cool because there are so many, so many ways that I can do it differently and still accomplish the same task. And I want to kind of know all of those ways. And I've, I've taken, and also to be a better instructor, you know, you, you know, people learn differently. So you might need to have many ways to show them, you know, or just in my case, like my experience, my journey has been about, I've trained with a lot of people. I've gotten a lot of different takes and perspectives and I've kept some, I've discarded others and I've put different pieces together to get a whole, a whole. Well, speaking of which, that hole can be different from person to person and going to, I can go, all four of us can go to the same exact class and get something completely unique and something different. That's all just the way we perceive things. And all, all four of the, uh, all four of us got something that's accurate and it's good. I love training. So what certificate, what certificate certifications? Certifications? Certifications. Certifications, thank you. It's past my bedtime. Uh, qualifications or skills should an instructor possess? Uh, if any. So be an expert. Whatever you're teaching, be an expert at it. Um, don't be okay at it. Like, if you're not willing to pursue the highest level of performance there, then that's probably not for you. I don't, you don't have to have that, but you have to at least want it and, and keep at it. Um, and then, and the, the speaking is the second one, be an orator. If you can't convey your messages accurately to a diverse set of people, then don't put yourself in a profession that, that is what crowd oriented. Or if they can't pronounce certification. <laughs> so yeah. that is my favorite bit of advice for baby cops. Make sure you can speak. Take those classes. Take a, an impromptu or an improv class or speech or yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, I think a comparison that I make often, maybe maybe one that makes some cops mad. I, I hope not though. Um, is when I tell people who are shopping for an instructor, do not go look for law enforcement or military certifications. Uh, I'm not saying that they can't have them, but I am saying do not go hunt for cops and mill dudes um, because extremely common. Yeah, it's well, super and, and common. The comparison you hear it all the time from new people. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to this guy's class. He, he's a cop. Yeah. yeah. And so, so in, in the, in the free classes I teach, I say this every single time I say, Hey guys, don't do this. Um, look for someone who has recent training and who keeps up like the, having taken a worthwhile class every single year is more meaningful than a 30 year long career in law enforcement because a gun to a cop is exactly the same as a stapler to an accountant. Red stapler. 
swing lines specifically. Right. They both have to use those tools sometimes in their job. Neither have to be particularly great at using those tools to be great at their job. Amen. Now I kind of feel sorry for those that think just because they're military current or prior or law enforcement current or prior, that that means it's all of a sudden going to be good because I'm over 20 years now and I don't think it's going to be that good unless they have something special or they're really good at what they do. Just that, that experience alone does not make them worth the time, effort or money. And, and I'm saying this specifically when people are talking about going to learn to run a gun. Yeah. Uh, like the, the lecture based, the lecture based classes that are out there. And even if you never got in a, in a shooting, even if you never had to draw your gun as a cop, if you work for a number of years, you probably can tell enough stories to put on a class about at least human behavior. Yeah. Not even criminal behavior, just human behavior that would be useful to the person who was trying to defend themselves. Okay. That's, that's the wheelhouse that they should, they really should focus on. Uh, not the, sh- you know, I'm a cop so I can shoot. You know, bullshit. <laughs> I, I can vouch for that not to be true. Although I've seen both ends of that before I've seen, I've seen cops say that they're, that they can shoot when they cannot. And I've seen cops say that they can shoot when they can shoot. They can't. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine being a bad guy trying to pull some stuff on like Vogel? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, is there anything you feel is pertinent that we neglected to cover? Um, I, I mean, I think we went in in depth on pretty decent stuff here. Uh, this will be the first one where we, you know, haven't had a long talk about mouse caliber stuff. Cause okay. we're talking about, we're talking about you. <laughs> no, I think, I think we've, we've had a good conversation. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, Evan, Jake, any alibi questions? questions that we didn't cover that you you just feel the need that you have to ask what his favorite color is favorite flavor of ice cream i don't i don't think i really have any questions for you right now Rhett. i mean i might in the future in which case i'll just I'll just message you about it um i i will say that i i like what you are are focusing on compared to other people i mean again with the the void that you're filling not just with the with the deep carry stuff but also with your rifle and your shotgun stuff. I, I think originally when I was introduced to it, I think the first thing I saw from you was actually cheek welding uh, a, a braceless PCC. And I actually, I had a conversation with Matt about it originally. I don't know if you still remember that, Matt, but yeah, I, I think it took warming up to you for me originally. But now that I've, now that I've thought about it more, I really like it. And um as far as people that think it's stupid, I mean, it's just the concepts that you discuss are not going to be applicable to every person 
necessarily. And not every single person is going to have the same mindset where they are going to want to use them anyway. I mean, if you've been using a traditional rifle for X number of years and you've done the appropriate tasks with it and you haven't found the shortcomings then okay, fine. And same thing goes for different carry positions or gun sizes or whatever. But yeah, I, I definitely appreciate what you're doing at this point because I'm seeing more and more people, even, even people that I know. I mean, I just had, I just had friends not too long ago that both bought their first guns and they both bought very small guns. So yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's definitely a niche, uh, void that you're filling, which is, which is great. At the same time, also, there are people that buy things unknowingly and then all of a sudden hear all this murmuring on the internet and go, oh, I just wasted all this money. Actually, you didn't. Look at it from this perspective. Try this. Hey, I made a good investment. Hooray. Thanks, Rhett. Yeah. So I think one of the first things I saw from Rhett was about the whole, uh, you know, running your, you know, for lack of a better word, the, you know, the shockwave type, whatever they are, not a shotgun, you know. And, uh, you know, I remember when those things first kind of came on the market that, you know, it was talked about a lot in the groups and stuff, you know, is this thing a viable tool? And a lot of people were like, no, what is this? What is this? The, shit? the answer was no it, for a know? very long time. Right. For a very long time. Is depending yeah. on who you're talking to. And, 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 and I mean, I'm sure Matt knows, you know, like lots of the, you know, the I was one of, them. of the, yeah, I know. And, you know. Yeah. Oh, all thanks. The, all the typical, all the typical people at PNS and stuff were like, "Well, this is this is stupid," you know. Yeah. But, and but it's great that you can say, "Well, you know, I was wrong," you oh, know. Yeah. And, but but oh, it's I'm fine. good at that. But I, but I like that. But I like that. Rhett finds traditionally suboptimal tools and makes mm. them into something fine. Suboptimal based on preconceived notions on what optimal right. is. Right. Sure. Right. But in the in the in the in the traditional paradigm, people yeah, look at this yeah. and go, "Oh, it's worthless." But he finds value in it. Yeah, I think so that's the, interesting. I appreciate it. I, I can't go without. Whenever it comes up, I can't go without saying this. So remember, the shockwave was cringe when it came out. The only reason that the shockwave came out is because for a very long time, dudes in Marshal service and witness protection were putting people down with those guns in basically the only law enforcement role where the bad guys are actively searching for you and ambushing you. Right. So if they can find use in it, ah, I don't think that I'm the one crazy guy out here that just found a way around it. Um, I think that, you know, I'm revisiting this, uh, the, the guns that they were running, the way that they were running them, I think is, is for what they had, the best that they could do. Um, but with modern tools and the tech that we have now, kind of suboptimal, right? Um, you get, you know, those guys had to be masters of their craft to run that gun. Um, but they still chose that gun despite that. Well, now we have all of this stuff that makes them so much easier to shoot. We know how to properly um, equip those guns so that you can dual hand stop them to prevent the gun jumping backwards on on initial impulse. Uh, We now have uh, 
electronic and elevated optics for those guns to get that gun away from bucking you in the face down here where it glides along your face. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it, it didn't, it wasn't like that it was not viable. It was like, it was viable for the highest level dudes who were doing work. And those dudes. And that's, and, and, and let's be real, you know, and the concept of what we're talking about, which is, you know, using firearms against people and, you know, that want to kill you and you need to stop them. And, you know, it, a lot of this stuff is like born of necessity, you know? So and the, the other. Think... Okay. Uh, so the, the other comparison I, I want to make there. So like, it's not like these guns weren't viable. Um, they were viable to the, to the highest level dudes. And then now with a re-release at the right time with a bit better setup and tech, they're viable for the masses more as long people. as those right. people put in a little bit more work. But I want to highlight that uh, the stuff that the mainstream thinks is the best to go to is based off of people whose mission sets are far different from our own um, than when you compare the, the witness protection dude or the marshal service dudes, exactly. right? Exactly, right. right. The, the average dude who was rocking the, the like uh, marshal's special, the, the 870 with the bird's head back then, that dude's mission and environment were so much closer to what we deal with every day than the dude, the average dude in the military who's running a Mark 18. Uh, right. Uh, that, that's right. what, what makes it click for me. Um, I agree. But like I, I, admire I, was, that, I admire that you put that together though. Like, I think that's, uh, to me, that's like your real, that's your really your wheelhouse and your talent, you know, to see the potential in that and then say, adapt this and apply this and say, oh yeah, see, this works. On top of that, also uh, work with Enigma and very fast draws from deep concealment. I think most people can, most people can do that. I think the reason why you don't see people doing that is because it's acceptable. It's socially acceptable in the concealed carry circles to tell everyone that you carry a double stack 1911 with a dot and whatever is less socially acceptable to say, Hey, I carry a mouse gun beneath the waistband. More than it's more than socially acceptable. The problem is it's, it's glorified. It's expected. It's like a right. badge. Like people think it's a badge of honor. Like I carry the status. biggest, most ridiculous tactical, you know, status symbol, blastomatic 9,000 thing. Like it's, it becomes like a dick measuring contest, literally, you know? Like, yeah, like I, guns bigger than yours. Okay. I mean, it is exactly it. backwards. The stuff that a lot of people are, are proud of, um, you know, and when people, when people do great shooting, like some, some excellent drill, I don't know. Some, I, I watched a dude the other day shoot like a one five bill from, um, he was nuts. Uh, and that's cool. Still doing it from a gamer rig, but I, in my mind, man, shooting a two point, Two bill with a wheel gun from deep carry is more impressive to me. I agree. You know, and that's, that's just it. I think people, 
people try to they 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 approach things the wrong way it's you know regardless of you kind of you kind of hinted at this earlier but the standard is the standard and i need to make my tools work not yeah. the other way around i'm not going to change my tools to achieve what i want so yeah, what you're I saying mean, is oh go ahead balance there's a balance to it right i, I mean if if you just absolutely can't run like you can't hit anything with the 365 okay you got to go to a different tool but i'm not going to have you jump up to you know uh uh clock 19 or clock 17 i'm gonna have yeah go get that little guy that's still the same size still concealable just less pop to it no actually i pointed at the x5 oh okay the Sig i'm sorry x5. yeah because yeah. you said 365 yeah. clearly the x totally, the next totally the next. opposite end right yeah, yeah. get you a get you a, a legion oh no a legion right you know that is the legion, yeah. in, you know well, yeah that's what that I'm saying. Right. total opposite end of the spectrum yeah no i agree with you yeah yeah I, i'm yeah i mean don't get me wrong like i can absolutely shoot better with my glock 34 than i can with my lcr don't get me wrong but yeah but the whole point is i guess what i'm saying is whatever i carry I still have to meet an acceptable standard. Yeah, sure. It has to be, I have to be able to do work with the thing. I have to be able to conceal it. And I don't mean cover it. I mean, adequately conceal it. And yeah. the standard is the standard. You don't drop the standard to fit the tool. You yes. Know? Yes. You, at, at, at the site of a deadly force encounter, you can't say timeout. I only brought this J frame. Let me get something yeah. else. Yeah. Sure. Life's an open division. Life, life is an open division event. You run what you brung. Chuck Pressburg. Evan, would you like to ask question number 18? It's your favorite. Um, what is 18? Hold on. Let me pull it up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll ask it. Uh, will your instruction get somebody killed in the streets? Asking the real questions. Yeah, so I, I think if, if people are listening to what I'm putting down, um, no. I think if people soundbite any instructor, then there's there's soundbites in all of that that are like bad advice. Well, I think taken uh, out of context is always very bad, yeah. regardless of yeah. what we're talking about. So I, I hear a lot of people, or I don't hear them. I read a lot of people's comments on my YouTube videos uh specifically surrounding the shockwave and um they'll say they'll just kind of spout some like some tired shotgun myths and then they're like your best gun ever i'm like okay that's a person that made up their mind because they thought that gun looked cool they bought that gun and then they went shopping for things that agreed with their point of view and they're the you know, if you do that enough, you can shop yourself into a good training position. But the problem is most people go just far enough to see, aha, there it is. He agrees with me. I'm right. Put this shockwave with one, you know, I don't know, probably like candy cane loaded with birdshot mixed in there with, you know, no optic and uh, he's going to set that at child height somewhere in his house and feel safe. And no, that, that will get you killed um, or someone very badly hurt. So, Seriously killed. 
Yeah, but uh, but if you go, you know, if you deep dive my stuff, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, I think as folks who are just us, uh, maybe I'm, um, well, I'll pat myself on the back here. I think that of of the instructors out there, I think maybe I'm more focused on the comfortable realities of daily life than than anyone I know um, that's you know in the instruction game. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Haggard, Bulky, or uh, Birch are along the same path. And, and yeah, those, um, so yeah, Chuck Haggard's a badass and he's a practical dude and he understands, yeah. he understands our psychology and he understands our faults and he understands we got to play to our laziness. We got to play to our bad days. He understands that stuff. I think we're on the same page with a lot of, a lot of that, uh, thought process there. Bulky. I mean, yeah, we're, we are aligned on a lot of stuff. Um, and I, and I think where you yep. are different is where you're different, I think, is that you're sort of younger, the, oh. uh, the younger breed, because most <laughs> of these dudes you're talking about, what do they all have in common? They're like old as dirt. And you know what, though? But I think there's Ooh, a lot. You're of not that. coming back for another. You're not coming back for another episode now. But yeah, I think I there's a lot of but there's a lot of wisdom. Yeah, I was getting to a point. <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom in these old guys, because like, again, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of and, you know, it's that old gun guy thing where the stuff just wears on you and beats you up over time. Sure. And they can I tell you, not... it's like, don't do this to yourself. Yeah. If you're smart. Yeah. I, I've not um, met bulky in person or, or shook his hand, but I, I have um, met Chuck and um, my impression was this is a handshake of a man who could whip my ass. So yeah, I, I won't put him in that category. Probably not bulky either. Um, very capable dudes. But I, yeah, I understand the, yeah, it's it's a generational difference. Um, well, and then also Cecil as well. And the, the, the commonality with the three of them and you is the idea of being able to live around the gun and not, or having the gun live around you and not you live around the gun. Yeah, yeah Claude. Claude is the other name. Yeah. You know, I just that, dude, like, lived in, that dude lived in like Chicago and stuff for a while and just got used to the idea that, again, it's pretty kind of non-permissive environment, yeah. you know, like he just, it's not the typical, I can just walk around, you know, looking like a, looking like a tactical hobo retard. Yeah. You know? Well, I just did a Instagram and Facebook post on three little mouse guns. And it's interesting to read some of the feedback on it. And I pinged him. I sent him a message directly and said, Hey, if you're bored, here's this thread just to beat people up the side, upside the head. Is it really interesting or is it just depressing? He can provide some good insights to make people feel better. So when you mention all those guys, I'm first off, I'm, I'm very flattered to be mentioned alongside um, all of those gentlemen, uh, but all of them strike me as uh, badass in the way that I want to be um, far. You know, there's, there's a lot of instructors out there that are more of the competition oriented or like the, the military law enforcement oriented instructors. 
and when they're in their zone, when they're in their game, they're, they're intimidating dudes. And yeah, I still don't want to mess with any of them. Um, but yeah, the four individuals you just mentioned all have that salty whoop ass to them. But uh, it's very flattering. That's, yeah. But at the same time, though, you're you're at a point that I don't know. I, so, and I don't know exactly what their life history is and what brought them to where they are. But it is so practical, the information they provide. And they're obviously veterans in what they do. And here you are. Considerably younger and you've and you're you're providing content with this context of well, that was my point we're living you're, our you're life. ahead of the you're yeah. ahead of the curve is what i'm kind of saying like these guys figured this out over a long period yeah. of time and a lot of life and living you know because well, basically yeah their stuff is all about we're living the reason we're the the reason why we work is to live it's not to carry a gun it's not to be a sheepdog which i can't stand that so yeah but this but this whole business is is full of people that don't understand that. Yep. Yep. And what is it? Steve Fisher says tactical band camp. That's what a lot of classes are for exactly. people. Yeah. It's like yeah. fantasy camp. Yeah. 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 The, fantasy the camp probably. yeah. Go, go on long beyond the point of learning saturation. Yeah. And matter of fact, in a recent modcast, someone mentioned something about, uh, what was it? Bounding overwatch drills. And I just laughed about that. Because I remember people talking about that and saying, is that what it is? Is it bounding? Come on, Jake. What is it called? Bounding Overwatch. Okay. I guess I was right. Um, I remember people excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're okay. Like I'm going to move up here. Covering and moving. Cover and move. How, to, how, to, how to retreat tactically. And, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I remember people saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait to do this. And it's going to be great. Well, you're looking forward to that? That's like filler. That's yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I look back, that's I look back on some of the stuff I did. Good. That's the show that some people want. To it is the for. show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I lived that. I lived that for years, and that stuff's hard work. It sucks to be honest with you. Doing that in full kit, I have no desire to do anything in full kit these days. Well, maybe that's the key. We need to get the folks who are still teaching this to somehow make people do it in actual full kit. Why don't you go ahead and throw on 105 pounds of crap for me and do this for your afternoon and you'll see how realistic awesome this is. And, and, and I'm not bitching, but I'm 36 years old, you know, 10 years of doing that stuff. Um, I'm still paying for it, man. Yeah. Like my body is totally broken and jacked up. I'm, <laughs> I don't recommend it, man. You know, I think, I, think it's I cool. go, do, go do it. Yeah. You can have people do it for an afternoon, but it's probably not a bad idea because then they're just going to post on Facebook about what an amazing experience it was. And I, now I got to hit the gym more so I can do it more often because it was super taxing. Sure. So, so a request for folks who have, who have made it in this far with us. Um, Cause if you're here, you're probably pretty dedicated props. Um, thank you. I, I'll say go out. If you agree with what I want to say, go out and just spam all of the gun forums you're in with this. Um, know your point of learning saturation. Know that for most people, most humans, that that occurs somewhere between three and six hours. 
and go request, go tell everyone everywhere, hey, when we do days of shooting, limit the days to six hour days, make sure that there's ample breaks in there and be okay with losing content because you are losing it no matter what, yeah. right? I would rather learn a few things well than a few more things half-assed and forgotten. Um, and also just, you know, safety issues and all of the other stuff. You are around other people who maybe don't have near the stamina or um, mental focus as you do while mental and physical stamina guns, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I limit all my classes. We do six, six hour days max. Um, I do, I offer half days for some of the things because I know it's just like people are worn out by the end. The only reason that people are doing bounding overwatch drills and 12 hour days on the range for shooting classes is because you guys want it. You guys ask for it. Uh, every instructor that I talk to about this, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this stuff. I won't fill classes unless I put this derpy BS in there. Unless I stretch this out to punish people, people won't come. Let's, let's end that in the industry. Um, anyway, there's my, I'm off my soapbox. now. That's a great soapbox because having done individual like instruction, having done teaches, uh, teaching departments or just class or uh, a class of 15 people, having seen students on, on a live fire in a live fire class, starting to zone out after 30 minutes. Yeah. Know your limits. You can't, you can't afford to be zoning out, man. No, not, like no. not when guns are involved. So yeah, lots of truth right there. So Rhett, the real question now is where and how can people find you in person and online? Uh, you can't find me in person. There you it. have it. Um, so online, you can go to demonstrateconcepts.com. That's the website. That's where I will post um, the open enrollment classes. I'll tell you if you want to train with me, I do a whole lot of private training, um, and some like some closed classes here in Colorado, but also uh, around, um, haven't gotten to the point where I do a lot of open enrollment classes outside of the state. Um, but yeah, demonstratedconcepts.com. Uh, you can find me under Demonstrated Concepts LLC on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Decon Training, D D-C-O-N underscore training on Instagram. Um, so I try and do, I try and do a YouTube video every week and like a, try and do some live fire stuff every week. There are lots of drills and lots of like discussion on where focus should be, how to improve. Awesome. Well, thanks. That was an awesome discussion. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you, Rhett. Thank you.